0: Verse number six. Verse number six, we're introduced to this place that we made mention of this morning. And it's the place of Gerar. This place of Gerar speaks of a a place that means to drag, to drag away, to journey, if you would. Uh, It speaks of lukewarmness, Uh, it speaks of apathetic, Uh, it speaks of coldness, if you would. It speaks of one that is uh, a place of failure, a place of defeat, a place of fearfulness, of being sidetracked in the Christian life. And as you walk through this passage of Scripture, you're going to see in the very beginning that there's an encounter. And all through Scripture, you, as you walk through, you'll see encounter after encounter after encounter. And as you look at those passages of Scripture where the Lord has an encounter with someone, many of them are life-changing situations. But in Genesis chapter number 26, you see Isaac, and there's a situation where he has an encounter with the Lord. The Lord comes to him, the Bible says in verse number 2, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. You see, in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see that this man by the name of Isaac is going to disobey for just a season. Uh, It's going to be a, a few verses of rebellion that you're going to see. The Lord's going to get his attention by using an individual to call him out. And it's always a shame when the world calls out the Christian for how the Christian is living. You see, the world knows how the the Christian claims to be living and ought to be living. And many people of the world that hate God, hate the things of God, they know the Bible and what the Bible has to say. But they know it, so they're waiting to call someone out. And in this passage of Scripture, you're going to see a, a word that is used. As a matter of fact, it's used for the very first time. And as it's used for the very first time, it is used in the context of dealing with a Christian. And that's the saddest part about it. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 10. And Abimelech said, What is this that thou hast done unto us, one of the people might lightly have lain with thy wife? Thou thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. This is the very first mention of this word, guiltiness. Sadly, it's used in the life of a Christian. You know, one of the, the saddest realities in many of our lives, if we're not careful, is that the Lord has given us an opportunity to reach people, And people are watching us and waiting because they have questions, they have uh, you know some, some doubts, but they also have a little bit of curiosity. They're waiting because they're wondering, how is this Christian going to live? What is this Christian life all about? Because many people that you come in contact with will tell you, oh, I'd be a Christian if it wasn't for all of the hypocrites, or I'd be a Christian if it wasn't for all of this and this and this. And there are many of us, the Lord has provided an opportunity and that that individual that is living like the world and living in the world that's curious about the Christian life and curious about Christianity is watching us to see just how real it is. Can I encourage you? The Christian life is one that, again, the Lord desires for us, yes, to live outwardly, but he desires for us to live it inwardly. And as you live it inwardly, it all of a sudden overspills and overflows outwardly. You see, as you desire to get alone with the Lord, naturally in the presence of the Lord, he begins to deal with us. And as we deal with ourselves and the Lord deals with us, we begin to just naturally live out the Christian life because we desire to. We're not having to. We're not forcing ourselves to. We just want to. We desire to. And so as you walk through this passage of scripture, you're going to see in these verses right here a couple of things that I pray will be a help to you. And One of the things that you'll begin to realize in these verses, in verse number 1, the Bible says, and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine, that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, under Gerar. Now there's a famine in the land. It's not the first time that this has happened. As a matter of fact, it's already happened, and it happened with Abraham, and the Lord is reaffirming to, to, to Isaac here, as I took care of your father Abraham, I will take care of you. But Isaac doesn't believe it. He's just not sure. He just doesn't buy in. Here in a few moments, we're going to go over to the gospel accounts, and we're going to look at a couple of verses and realize that every personal encounter with the Lord is an opportunity To see exactly what the Lord has for us. Sometimes we'll say yes, sometimes we'll say no. The Lord willing, we will always say yes, but there are many times in our lives where we allow our own circumstances, we allow our, our situations, we allow our own doubts to crowd in and crowd Jesus out, and we begin to go in a different direction. This is exactly what Isaac does. Notice when we, number one, we see his circumstances, his circumstances here. As you begin to realize in verse number one that there was a famine, that is the the issue here. But notice the place of the famine here. The place of the famine concerning these circumstances, the Bible says, and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So we understand that this has already taken place before. And the Lord is going to come to Isaac here. He's going to remind him, hey, don't be afraid. Don't fear. He goes, hey, this has already been the case before. At first time, this is the second. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. The place of the famine is a righteous place. The land of Canaan is, is a place where we, we come and realize this is where the Lord desired for him to live and to dwell. Here in a few minutes, you're going to look at three words. You're going to look at the word dwell. You're going to look at the word sojourn. You're going to look at the word dwell. And all of those mean something different. You see, the Lord intended for Isaac to dwell as he goes on in the land of Canaan. But there's a famine there. Yes, but this isn't my first rodeo. This isn't the first time this has happened. Go back to the book of Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. As I was with Abraham, so I will be with thee. He said, ah, but there's a famine. Isaac, I want you to dwell in this land, the land which I shall tell thee of. Verse number three, he says, sojourn in this land. I will be with thee and will bless thee. Now, these words that are being used for just a few moments, the word dwell speaks of to establish a permanent residence. The Lord is coming to Isaac. He says, I want you to dwell in the land of Canaan. He then says in verse number three, he says, sojourn in this land. That word sojourn speaks of a a temporary stay, if you would. It speaks of being a foreigner. You're just passing on through. So the command has been given. The circumstances are present. We understand what is going on. We understand what is taking place. And in this verse right here, we fall into the category many times of what Isaac is going through. Because many of us, if we're not careful, we begin to think that if we do just exactly the Lord's will, just how he intends us to do it every single day of our lives, that we'll never experience any hardships. Oh, that we'll never experience any trials Oh, that it'll always just be roses. It'll always just be wonderful. There will never be anything that catches us by surprise. There will never be anything that just takes hold of our lives and it begins to shatter things. The Bible tells us in Psalm 34, verse number 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, notice these words, these are words of comfort, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Out of them all. You see Isaac had fallen into the captive to this thought that hey my circumstances aren't well and Lord you're telling me to stay in the land of famine but there's no way. But notice in verse number 1 what he says here and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac went unto Abimelech king of the Philistines in Gerar and the Lord appeared unto him and said go not down into Egypt dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and under thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. And so we see that he was told to dwell in one land. He was told to sojourn in another land. And so where did he find himself dwelling? He found himself dwelling in the land that he was commanded just to sojourn in. You see, when we allow our circumstances, when we allow the situations and the, 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 the circumstances of our lives to dictate what we do for the Lord, we've into a bad place. You see, there have been many that have quit on God. There have been many that have gotten sidetracked because of circumstance. They said, surely this isn't what he meant. Surely this isn't all that it's about. And so Isaac here falls into this trap as he is finding himself in a land of famine. He notices the place of the famine. It's a righteous place. But notice with me for just a moment the path that he takes. He takes a path that he ought not been taking. Notice this statement in verse number two. Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Go not down into Egypt. This statement, that go not down into Egypt, is speaking of the path to Philistia. It was on the way to Egypt, and it would be a tempting path to take. As a matter of fact, as you go back into the early passages of Scripture in Genesis chapter number 12, you'll find that Abraham did just this when the famine came. And so you go all the way back to verse number one. This is the first. This isn't the first time. The Lord's trying to get his attention. And so as he's telling him, he goes and he tells Isaac where to live permanently, to dwell in one place, to sojourn in one place. And Isaac dwells in Gerar, a place of lukewarmness. As you go and you study the life of Abraham, you'll find that in Abraham's life, he lost a lot of ground in this place. You'll find here in a few moments in this early passage of Scripture in Genesis 26 that Isaac also loses some ground. As you realize the circumstances that are surrounding all of this, you begin to realize the path that he takes and the place of the famine. But notice the promises that he ignored. Can I ask you this question? As you get alone with the Lord and the Lord begins to deal with you and you want to get into his presence, how many times do we ignore all the promises of God? How many times do we find ourselves like Joshua where the Lord has commanded us, Hey, as I was with Moses, I will be also with thee. As I was with Abraham, so I will be with thee. You say, yeah, Lord, but this is different. No, 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 no. The circumstances might be different. The situations might be different. The trials might be different. The problems might be different. But the God that we serve and the God that was with them is the same God we serve today. The problems might be different. But praise God, our God is not. He's always the same. And as he finds himself ignoring these promises, notice what he says here in this passage of Scripture. In verse number three, sojourn in this land, notice this first statement, I will be with thee. He began to ignore the promise of God's presence in his life. Listen, I I know this to be true of every single one of our lives. I know we desire this, but we don't just need to desire the presence of God. We need the presence of God in our lives. We are living in a world that is getting worse and worse. We are seeing things, and we are seeing Christians falling by the wayside because we're ignoring the promises of God within our lives. He says in verse number 3, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee. Hey, just sojourn. Don't dwell. Just sojourn. You're a foreigner. This isn't meant for you. This place isn't meant for you. He dwells. He ignored the presence of God. He goes on in verse number three, and will bless thee. He not only ignored God's presence, but he ignored God's provision in his life. How many times within our lives have we gotten into a situation where our finances weren't adding up, and we said, oh, I guess God's failed me. No, 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 God hasn't failed you. How many times have we gone through something and it was a hardship and it was a hard place and we allowed the devil to feed into our minds that God wasn't as good as the Word of God has to say? You see, in this passage of Scripture, he's already been told that the Lord will be with him. He's already been told that this was not the first famine. He's already been told to dwell in one place, to sojourn in one place, and the Lord would be with him, but also the Lord would bless him, and he just ignores it. I love the next statement. He goes on and he says in verse number three, For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. He began to ignore the place in which the Lord was dealing with him. You know, there, as I go back in my own mind, there have been situations, there have been times, there have been places that in the moment was not a pleasant place. But as I have grown in certain areas, I've realized that if it was not for God doing a work in that place, I don't know if I'd still be standing there. Because it was in that place where I was on my knees begging to God. It was in that place where I was pleading with the Lord. It was in that place where I was desiring the Lord to do such a work of provision and his power to be seen. It was in that place where God began to deal with me. In the moment, I might have been angry in that place, but then God began to reveal himself. And all of a sudden, I found joy in that place. And now I go back to that place often and remind myself just how good God was. You see, in this place right here, he was ignoring all of this. He goes on in verse number uh, three, he says, And I will perform the oath. He is ignoring God's power. Oh, man. All throughout these verses, he's just ignoring all of these many things. You say, Yeah, but look at his circumstances. You see, that's the reality of it. Far too often, we do look at the circumstances instead of looking at our God in the midst of the circumstances. You see, I pray the Lord would remind us time and time again that no matter how bad the circumstances are, no matter how big the trial is, no matter how many problems mount up, that God is still present and God is still good. Number two, we see his conduct. You say, well, okay, what are we talking about? His circumstances were pretty bad. He's dwelling now in this place of Gerar. We just made mention of it. Abraham lost ground in this place. Isaac here is going to lose some ground. Notice a couple of things concerning this situation that he finds himself in. His conduct is found in Gerar, as the Bible says in verse number 7, and the men of the place asked him of his wife. Man, just like his daddy. And he said, she is my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife, lest said he, the men of the place, should kill me for Rebecca, because she was fair to look upon. Exactly what his daddy did. His conduct is seen, and his conduct is going to get him into trouble. In verse number 8, and it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. That word sporting speaks of kissing, if you would. Look, we ain't in Alabama, Isaac. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm from Alabama. I get the joke all the time, so I got to joke about it every once in a while, right? So Abimelech says, something's not adding up. Verse number nine, Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold of a survey, a surety, she is thy wife. And how saidest thou, she is my sister? Losing ground. And Isaac said unto him, because I said, lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, what is this that thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lied with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. You see, to live a holy life, one must determine to live in holy places. He found himself in an unholy place, and now all of a sudden he was given to unholy acts. He had found himself already ready to lie. He was ready to lie in this moment, but he was not ready for the lie to be revealed. Isn't that how it oftentimes works? We begin to tell lies. We begin to live lies. We we live in such a way where nothing will be found only for the Holy Spirit to say, oh, got it. You lied. Now it's been revealed. You see, in this passage of Scripture, Isaac has found himself losing ground as he is making these statements. And all of this is taking place. Why is it all taking place? Because in verse number one, the Bible says, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. The Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall, shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee. His circumstances weren't pleasant. And in this personal encounter with Isaac, he disregarded everything God had told him. Now go with me for just a moment to the book of Matthew because I want to draw it to a close here. Once you understand this understanding of getting along with the Lord and truly getting into His presence and and understanding all that He has for us, in Matthew chapter number fourteen, notice a familiar portion of Scripture. As we made mention of Isaiah chapter number six, behold, you, you come to that passage of Scripture. Lord, send me. Here am I. Personal encounter. And Jacob, a personal encounter. Moses a personal encounter, Abraham a personal encounter. Notice this personal encounter, verse number twenty-two. The Bible says, "In straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him unto the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves. The wind was contrary." In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went in to them, walking on the sea. And then, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Now, up to this point, we're familiar with all of what is taking place. And in just a few moments, you're going to hear some words that are uttered. You're going to see a personal experience. You're going to see one of the disciples understand just how important it is to get into the presence of the Lord. Notice what he says here. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. He said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I love this patch of scripture because many times we get on to Peter for sinking, don't we? But we won't even get out of the ship. We gripe about what Peter, you were walking on the water with the Lord. I mean, surely you had the faith to continue. No, we're still in the ship. What are we talking? We're not even willing to step out by faith, a personal encounter, and notice these precious words that are found. Be of good cheer, it is I. As you walk through Scripture, you will find that every single personal encounter with the Lord that you see is an opportunity for a life-changing situation to take place. I go back to my mind, and I look back, and I can see the place. I can tell you where I was sitting. I can see the preacher. I can see every uh, visual of what was taking place the night that I got saved. I can go back to certain places in my mind whenever I was just spending time with the Lord alone and, and just dwelling in His presence and allowing the Lord to bring me along and allowing the Lord to reveal Himself to me. Many times it's been in the study. Sometimes it's been in a matter of prayer. Sometimes it's just been sitting in a car listening to the lyrics of a song as the song talks about the faithfulness of God or the, the goodness of God or how good He's been or how He's always present. But in those moments, they've always been moments whenever I've just realized just how precious it is. Can I ask you this question this morning, or this evening, that I asked you this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you have just truly forsaken and truly disregarded getting along with God and getting into the presence of the Lord. You have no desire to get into His Word anymore. Oh, you enjoy corporate worship. You enjoy coming to the house of God. You enjoy listening to preaching. You enjoy listening to the choir. You enjoy singing the hymns. You enjoy the corporate worship. But personal worship, we're taking a little too far, preacher. Can't I just come to the house of God on Sundays, enjoy the worship together with my church family? What's, what's the big deal about experiencing personal worship? Because when you experience personal worship, it makes the corporate worship all much sweeter. You begin to worship with your brethren. You begin to understand that we're not just here any longer. We're here because we're here to worship the King of Kings. Can I ask you this this evening, have you gotten over spending time with the Lord and getting into the presence of God? Because if you have, I urge you, get on your knees, plead with God, and ask him to reveal himself to you once again. May the Lord show himself afresh and anew to us this evening. Lord, we do come to you tonight. Lord, we thank you. Lord, far too often we disregard some things, and Isaac did just that, Lord. Lord, we understand he will go on to get things right, and, Lord, he will then eventually see the blessings of God, and we understand that we thank you for second chances. But, Lord, maybe there are some here this this evening that have just kind of gotten over all of these things. They don't really have a desire to get along with the Lord any longer. Lord, I pray that you would. Blessing God. Lord, bring tears back to our eyes. Bring a burden back to our heart. Lord, bring the desires to serve you to the forefront once again. Help us to get a fresh glimpse of who you are. We'll thank you for it. Guide us now. Be at this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.